So we've been, I'm going to just go ahead while they're going and just introduce this, but being prepared to be used by God. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was prayer. And you know, the Lord timed it just right, so we talk about prayer right before we go into uh, a little prayer season that we're going to have. Amen? And so he knows what he's doing. He orders our steps. We're at the right place at the right time, aren't we? Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Lord, that you think through my thoughts and you speak through me tonight in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father God, for the anointing that's upon the word. We thank you, Father God, that you're changing us into the image of Jesus Christ by forming Christ within us. You're preparing us. You're causing us to be on time. You're causing us to be ready for what's ahead. Uh, both the, the, the things that we will face that are um, the things of this world, the things that the enemy will be prepared for those things and, no, and prepared to be overcomers. But Father, we're also pre prepared to receive and to walk in the good things that you have planned. And Lord, that we don't miss any of them because we were uh, distracted. So I thank you, Father God, for that preparation that you're doing in us, both corporately and individually. And we give you permission in our lives in Jesus' name. Glory to God. So we're, we're going to talk about prayer tonight, but not in the normal way that we, we normally would. We're, uh, I don't want to teach a series on prayer. We could do that, but I don't have time to do that right now. I don't have time to uh, get into the kinds of prayer, although you ought to know the kinds of prayer, the different kinds of prayer and how prayer works in those areas. But we don't have time for that tonight. So we're going to talk about some different aspects of prayer and just believe the Holy Ghost to apply it to your life where it needs to be applied. Amen? Uh, in order for us to be prepared to be used by God, we need to know how to pray the glory of God down. Uh, pa uh, pa Pastor Buzzy talks about praying the glory of God down. In other words, what that means, and you know, I had, it took me a while when he said that, you know, I thought, well, I don't know if I know how to pray the glory of God down. But what he was saying, and I realized what he was saying after we went to his church, we made a special trip to El Dorado, Arkansas to pray with his prayers just so we could say, okay, let's go see how you pray the glory of God down. Well, when we got there, we found out we already knew what he meant. We had already been doing that uh, for many years. In other words, what he was saying is you pray until the presence of Jesus comes into manifestation. Now, one thing maybe we hadn't done is press into that as often as we should have. Amen? But all of us ought to know how to pray until we have a manifestation of the presence of God. In other words, we, another, we do that in praise and worship. We endeavor to enter into praise and worship to the point where the presence of God comes in, to the tangible anointing comes. In other words, we don't just get up, okay, Kevin sang two verses, and it's like, okay, y'all sit down. Well, we hadn't got anywhere yet a lot of times. You know, sometimes you can come to church, like on Sunday night, you can hit the ground running. I mean, the presence of God will nearly overtake you before you even get started. Amen? But sometimes on Sunday morning, you have to press into the presence of God, don't you? Uh, for different reasons. We've talked about atmospheres before, and all sorts of things can alter atmospheres and, and change atmospheres. But we have to learn to change our atmosphere. We have to learn through prayer to change the atmospheres in our home. Amen? We have to learn to change situations and change, so, pray until the presence of God comes because the presence of God will change things. The presence of God will change atmosphere and the presence of God will get people healed. We can't get people healed without the anointing of God. We've got to have the anointing. And so we must learn how to pray um, 
into that dimension. Uh, know how to persevere in prayer. Know how to flow in, in prayer and how to stay in one accord in prayer. Uh, you know, there's scriptures, we won't turn to them tonight, that talk about watching and praying. He's, he's, when we watch and pray, we're not watching TV and praying. You know, we're not watching uh, the kids outside and playing. You know, hallelujah. Sometimes we do have to be multitask in our praying. But hallelujah. But no, he's meaning watching your spirit as you're praying. And, then, and that's how we learn to flow with the Holy Ghost. We begin to look to the inside of us. We shut the world out. We turn off the world. And we become more conscious of the presence of God as we praise and as we worship and as we pray. And as we begin more conscious of the presence of God, of the anointing of God, then as we pray, the Holy Ghost will begin to lead us in prayer. And how many of you know that the Holy Ghost knows how to make us victorious? The Holy Ghost knows how to change situations situations and circumstances everybody in this room has situations in their own lives that need to be changed it might be in your children's lives hallelujah and how and there's keys there's keys in prayer and you can you know if you're praying for your kids and you've been praying for or or for your parents or any relatives or anybody if you're praying for them and you're not seeing anything then change how you're praying Change how you're praying. You have, if you're not seeing something happen, you hadn't found the keys. You hadn't found the... Do, you're going to have to do something different in, you know, in your praying. You know, we need to... Pastor talked about being honest this morning. We need to get honest with God. In the sense of prayer. We need to tell God... God, this isn't working. Now show me. Instead, like Pastor said so many times, we've got pride. Or we just never have thought, just never have took the time to say, Lord, you know, this isn't working. I'm not seeing the results that I, ought to, that I believe I ought to see. Now show me why. And Lord, if it's something in me, show me being willing for him to show us. Or if it's something, you know, if there's a key to prayer that I've just not seen, you know, and, and the same with healing. If we're not getting our healing, why aren't we asking God? Why instead? Sometimes people just keep a hammering. Just keep a hammering trying to get a healing, and they're hammering on the wrong door. Why aren't we asking God? Why aren't we saying, Lord, you know, so many times we're trying to convince God we're in faith. Instead of asking Him, Lord, am I in faith? He'd tell us. He'd tell us if we were in faith or not. So many times we're trying to convince the whole church that we're spiritual and that we're in faith, and we're, we're not. We're, we're, we're a half step off, a quarter turn off. We're just a little off, and God wants us to get in faith because He's not going to answer until we get in faith. And so we need to get honest with God and ask Him. We need to ask God a lot of questions sometimes. Hallelujah. I will encourage you not to ask him five questions. Okay, Father, why is this not working with my children? Why is this not working? No, ask him one at a time because you'll never know when you get what answer you're getting if you don't. If you present him five in, in five minutes, you'll know, hey, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so one of the big keys to prayer is asking God, okay, Lord, how do, how do I pray about this? I, here's something that I have made up my mind to do. I 
I made up my mind to never pray a prayer again that God can't answer. Who was that? Remember, Kathleen, we talked about this in the prayer room one time. There was some lady up in, where was she at? You know, and she disappeared and they couldn't find her. Do you remember this? It's been a while ago. I don't even remember who the lady was, but it was on national news. And some, I think it was like some senator or something, they were accusing him of foul play. But this girl had disappeared. And so Kathleen and I came to the agreement, you know, you could say, well, uh, <coughs> Lord, show, us where, show them where she's at. But you know, you've got to make sure God can answer that prayer yet. Prayer. What if somebody ground, I mean, this is gross, but what if somebody ground her up in little bits? Then you're hammering against the door. Amen? That God can't answer. I don't want to pray. So sometimes we have to ask God, God, can you answer this prayer? You know, a lot of times, especially where healing is concerned, we waste a lot of time praying for people to be healed. And God's not going to answer. See, we're trying to impose our will over on the situation. And we ought to ask God before we spend time, our precious time, hallelujah, and, and also set ourselves up for disappointment in God and all sorts of other things. We ought to ask ourselves, God, if, do you want me to pray for healing for this person? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, it is God's will for everybody to be healed. But that don't mean he can get them there. And he's not going to cause me to spend my time praying for somebody to be healed that, he's not, that they're not going there. See, a lot of times we have just not been honest and it, we're being selfish for one thing. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to prayer, I'll just read this from Brother Hagin. I'm going to read some things about prayer tonight. I don't have a, I, I, I'm just, I'm talking about some different aspects of prayer. I don't have a certain, you know, point that I'm going to get to tonight, except that we ought to pray. Amen. We're going to have to be honest with ourselves in this, is we're going to have to quit telling ourselves that it's okay not to pray. Amen. Because it's not okay. And it's not going to work until we do. Praise God. So I'm going to read this about Brother Hagin. And he, this is his book, The Art of Intercession, which he changed the name of. He does not, you cannot get this book anymore. This is old. Now he's called it's The Art of Prayer. It's the same book. <laughs> he changed the name of it because of, you know, just different things in the body of Christ. But um, it's a good book. It's a good book. And he talks about the first verse, the first chapter about the sovereignty of God and how God can't... Uh, God's not in control. Amen. Y'all know, know about that, don't you? Praise God. Well, I'm going to find it in just a second. I, I didn't have my little markers to mark where I was going, but I will. I will find it. Okay, this chapter is about interceding against the infirmity of sickness. This is, a good, this is good teaching here. Another definition of the word translated infirmity in Romans 8, 26 is feebleness of body, frailty, and sickness. Intercession is often necessary against this infirmity, against sickness. When I teach on faith and healing in crusades and seminars, I can only cover one side of it. The meetings are not long enough to cover the entire picture. 
Therefore, I have one purpose in mind, to move people to believe God now and receive from God now. Thank God a certain percentage of them can and will. We know because we have the Bible and the Bible imparts unto us the knowledge of God that healing is provided for everyone. We know it is the highest and the perfect will of God that every believer not be sick, but live out his full length of time here below until his body wears out and he falls asleep in Jesus. We've got to present God's perfect will or people won't know about it. But we also know from the natural standpoint that for a number of reasons that does not happen with everybody, even all of God's children. In other words, everybody doesn't always get healed and there's some reasons why. If it does not, it does not mean the people were not saved. It does not mean they did not go to heaven. We know from the Old Testament that God made a covenant with Israel. He said to them, And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. Wasn't that God's perfect will? Yes, but notice it was conditional. What was the condition? That they walk in his statutes and keep his commandments. As long as Israel kept the covenant, there was no sickness among them. No babies or young people died. But then sickness and disease invaded them, and people began dying young. Why? Because they did not keep their covenant. Even in the household of the king, a young child was sick, and the prophet foretold the child would die. Now, we do not have to keep the law, but we still keep covenant. Amen? We are not under the law, but we still keep covenant. How did the prophet know that? By the Spirit of God. It was not the perfect will of God that the child die, but through sin the covenant was broken. The Spirit of God said that would happen under the circumstances. The same thing happened with Israel happens with individuals today. We have to tell people what God's plan is and what God's covenant is and what belongs to them. Healing is ours. Healing is in the atonement, yet not everyone is walking in their new covenant rights. Sometimes, if they are bona fide baby Christians, you can exercise your faith for them. Did you hear that? Baby Christians. That means they just got saved. It doesn't mean that they got saved and they're a baby Christian, but they've been saved 50 years. Amen? You can't usually get people like that healed. Why? Because God expected some, something of them. You know what I'm saying. You can carry them on your faith for a while. Sometimes you can get them to agree with you. You can join your faith with theirs in the prayer of agreement. But there are still those who do not know and who do not understand for whom intercession must be made. A denominational minister who still pastored his church told me how his wife had been marvelously healed by the power of God after medical science had given up on her case. Her healing brought them into the charismatic movement. Then he said, we began to get our eyes open to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They were relatively new in the things of the Spirit when his wife had an experience in intercession for healing. A young wife and mother of three who attended their church regularly had to have open heart surgery. She died on the operating table. After some time, she was resuscitated, but she did not regain consciousness. The doctors said she would never regain consciousness and that this was just as well, for her mind would never be right. She had been without oxygen to her brain for too long. The pastor told me we comforted the young husband and prayed with him all we could, but we were so new in this, yet the woman persisted in living. The third night I woke up and suddenly realized my wife wasn't in bed. 
After a little while, I got up to look for her, and I heard groanings from the living room. I thought she got up and fell and hurt herself. I found her lying flat on the living room floor, groaning. He got down beside her and said, Honey, what's the matter? She said, I don't know. I don't understand it, but I just can't let her die. I just can't do it. For three nights, every night, she lay on the floor and groaned and prayed out loud all night long. The next day, suddenly, that young woman in the hospital came to herself. The doctors were amazed. Her mind was clear. She was perfectly all right. She was restored to her husband and children. Even though this pastor's wife was new in this, she began to make intercession for the woman mainly because the Spirit of God gave it to her, not because she worked it up. And that's the part I want to get to tonight is God has to give it to us. We cannot work it up. Now, we, could, we have to be willing to yield to it. We can't just be so busy in our own affairs of life that God can't use us to be an intercessor and to intervene in people's lives. We have to be open to intercession, to interceding for people. Hallelujah. And this woman was in a coma. She was beyond helping herself, wasn't she? Hallelujah. And you know, perhaps her husband was crying out to God, but yet he may have been so young in the Lord, he didn't know how to intercede against this sickness. And some sicknesses, my point is also, some sicknesses are going to require intercession and require uh, praying. Hallelujah. Especially where you're not concerned. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, um, but the point here is he gave it to her, not because she worked it up. Hallelujah. I've had people before that I wanted to pray for. I wanted to pray and intercede, but I didn't have, I didn't have any unction. I didn't have any. And so many times we're praying for something. Hallelujah. You know, we say, well, but you know it's better to try and fail than not to try. Well, you could say that, but a lot of times, I tell you, it's better to be led. It's better to be led because I don't want to ever be discouraged in my prayer life. I want to have 100% results. Amen? Or for God to explain to me why. I'll read on. So she didn't work it up. How dependent we are upon the Holy Spirit in our prayer life. You know, so many times people even come and say, pray for my aunt or pray for my this and pray for my that, trying to put a prayer burden over on somebody else that God hadn't given them. You know, if, some, if somebody's going to be able to get it for your aunt, it's going to be you. our uncle or whoever. Hallelujah. How dependent we are upon the Holy Spirit in our prayer life. See, we ought to have confidence in our own prayers. Hallelujah. We ought to have developed a confidence in our prayers. We ought to know that we have influence with God. Hallelujah. How dependent we are upon the Holy Spirit in our prayer life. In dealing with the sick, I find that sometimes the Spirit of God gives me intercession. And there are times I have tried to get Him to, do, to, but He does not. You cannot make the Spirit of God do anything. Instead of using the Spirit, let the Spirit use you. Let's let the Spirit use us. And you know, some, you know what? Now, the Spirit's willing to use you every day. But it's not going to be according to what you want to pray. It's going to be according to what He wants to pray. 
He may want to, you know, I found that there's days he wants to pray about uh, Iraq. But there's days he don't want to pray about Iraq. You know, sometimes he's got it covered. He's got it covered already. He don't need me in Iraq some days. But some days he does. Some days he needs me on my children. Some days he needs me somewhere else. Some days he needs me on, but we got to be sensitive. Some days he needs me on this building. You know, we prayed on this building, prayed on this building. Reed and I prayed on this building. Finally, one day I said, I'm praying about that building anymore. I, I was just, you know, I could tell that I was going to be in the flesh. Now, is, did I see needs that weren't done? Yeah. But I was going to be in the flesh if I kept praying about that building. So we just started thanking God. We thank you, Lord, our building's finished. And we started taking in Zechariah where it says that when they ran in, you know, and when they were building the wall, when they ran into an obstacle, it, the, the, the prophet said to shout grace to it. So we started speaking. We say grace to our new building. We say grace, hallelujah, grace, hallelujah, grace. You know what? We were stuck there for about three weeks. We were not making progress. This thing wasn't, it wasn't working. It wasn't flowing. It was, you know what I'm saying? We weren't going backwards, but we were not making progress. And we started thanking God and shouting, speaking grace. We weren't shouting, but speaking grace to it. And you know what? That thing started, it started flowing. Workers started showing up. It's so amazing. People started telling us, well, this man wants to work, and that man wants to work. Hallelujah. We're speaking grace to it. We're speaking grace to the finances of it. In the natural, we're not going to, the money's not going to come out. But we didn't start this building, God did. We wouldn't have ever done this building project at this timing if he hadn't initiated it. He said, go ahead and, go ahead and, and launch into the next phase. And if he hadn't specifically directed us to, we wouldn't. And so you know what? I'm not worried. Grace to it. It's going to be finished. It's going to be furnished. I don't have to know how. But God's big enough to start, finish what he starts. So we, what we got to be careful of is that we don't start anything he didn't start. Because he's not obligated to finish anything. Have you ever dreamt? Well, I know in, in, in Odessa, Texas, there is a frame of a church that's been sitting there for 15 or, well, as long as I can remember. Do you know, remember that church? That frame that's just sitting there? Don't? No. Huh? Oh, I don't know. It's finally finished? Well, you know, praise God. But it sat there like 15 years with a, just a frame. Somebody started something God didn't start. Now, maybe he had mercy finally. Or maybe they got caught up to, maybe they got out ahead of him and they finally caught up to his timing. Maybe that's what it was. Hallelujah. So let's don't start anything God didn't start. How dependent we are upon the Holy Spirit in our prayer life. Oh, I'm, 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 let's see. Uh, okay, 30 years ago, I went to a man's bedside to pray for his healing, and I couldn't even say the word heal. I've, I've actually experienced this. I'd say, oh God, and then instead of saying the word heal, I'd say, bless this man. I tried to make my tongue say heal, and it would not. I couldn't control my tongue. I said, Lord, see, don't pray prayers God can't answer. L see, Hallelujah. Praise God. I said, Lord, why can't I pray for this man's healing? He's not old enough to die. You promised us a minimum of 70 or 80 years. In Psalm 91, he actually said, with long life, will I satisfy you? If we are not satisfied at the end of 70 or 80 years, we can go on until we are satisfied. 
You can go past 80, you're going in faith, folks. I mean, really, you, some people get, because of the promise of God, just by loving God, you a lot of times can get to 70 or 80. You know what I'm saying? You know people. And sometimes through loving God and genes, good genes, you can live past that. But if you're going to go, pastors always saying we're supposed to live to 120. There is that possibility, if you look in the Word of God, that, that you could go to 120. But if you go to 120, you're going in faith, active faith. And you've got somebody in your family that's over 80. Quit trying to impose your will. Because you would miss them. Amen? It's on their faith. It's on their faith. It's completely up to their faith. Hallelujah. And you know, a lot of times we're trying to hold people that want to go. It's like they're ready. They're satisfied. They're, they don't, you know, they've had enough. 30 years ago, I went to a man's bedside to pray for his healing, and I couldn't even say the word heal. Oh, I'm reading over. I said, Lord, why can't I pray for this man's healing? He's not old enough to die. You promised us. Okay. But the Lord said to me, yes, but he was born again 36 years ago. I've been waiting on him to put away sin for 36 years. Think about the patience of God. He's never lived right over two weeks at a time in 36 years. So I judged him and turned him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Then the spirit said to me, you can't pray for his healing, but you can do this. Tell him, and see, we ought to be led by the spirit. See, we could do some things for some people if we would quit trying to bark up the wrong tree, so to speak. He said, tell him you're going to lay your hands on him to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and his last days will be better than his first. I told him what the Lord said. When I laid my hands on his forehead, instantly he started speaking with tongues. I left and went my way. When I came back over a month later, he was dead and buried. But they told me he sat up in bed and sang and talked in tongues three days and nights. And then he had a glorious home going. That wasn't God's perfect will for him, but certainly it beat going to hell. Boy, it beats going to hell all to pieces, don't it? I went off down the highway in my car crying and singing, Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all of our sins. Sometimes I have tried to make intercession for people and it would seem like I ran up against a blank wall or down a blind alley. Now, listen. Don't... Be dishonest with God and say, oh, and, and just say, and not, and not give an endeavor to pray for people and say, God's not leading me. You know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. We got a lot of praying to do. It's just where you want me directing my prayers, Lord. Hmm. I just, he says, I seem like I ran up against a blank wall or down a blind alley. I just didn't get anywhere because the Spirit of God didn't take hold with me. See, watching and praying. When you're praying, watch, see if you're getting anywhere. Am I getting, you can tell in your spirit if you're getting anywhere. We don't look at the outward results, but we say, I know I'm getting somewhere. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Sometimes, well, I don't want to read that. Mm. Since 1949, with only one exception, every time I have made intercession for the sick and taken on their symptoms, 
they always received their healing. And that, and that one exception, Jesus appeared on the scene and said, I have come to heal him, but he won't let me. So we ought to be getting all our prayers answered, or we ought to, Jesus ought to be appearing to us telling us why not. Amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes we need to, like I said, need to change the way we're praying. Hallelujah. You're not getting results, and you've been praying for somebody for five years or three years. We ought to change the way we're praying. Doing a little investigating in the Holy Ghost. Asking Him, Lord, now direct me in this. Let, help me pray accurately here. Lord, teach me to pray. Has anybody in here ever asked God to teach them to pray? I did, 1984. I was the pastor's wife and didn't know how to pray. And I prayed, and you know what? It's amazing how God will begin to direct and order your steps and teach you to pray if you will ask God to start to teach you to pray. And all of us should be asking Him. I ask Him regularly, Lord, I want to go further in prayer. I want to know more about prayer. There's people that know more prayer than I know. And I want to know more. I need to know more. Show me things about prayer. The Holy Spirit's our teacher, and He wants to teach us. But, you know, it's amazing how much of a gentleman the Holy Spirit is. and won't. He's not going to force things on us, is He? He'll never force responsibility on us, but we do, have, uh, we do have a responsibility. He won't force us to take the responsibility. You know, another aspect about prayer, and we might come back to some of that, is that we, know, we need to know, be good at praying in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Be good at praying in the Holy Ghost. Be good at praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, there's development. Just like a little child begins speaking a few words and then he gets better and better, there's development. I don't know about you, but I've learned some new words this year. Do you ever get a new vocabulary word? Hallelujah. Sometimes we get a new word we don't want, don't we? We hear somebody say something like, I never, or we hear somebody say something away that we didn't want to, you know, they, they maybe put their, their slang on it a certain way, and so we learn a new word. Hallelujah. I've taught y'all some new words. I taught you the other night, spizzerinkdom. And y'all all looked at me like, what does that mean? But hallelujah, see, we're, we're increasing. Well, in the Spirit, we ought to be increasing our vocabulary. And we ought to be very proficient at praying in the Spirit. And be good at praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, train yourself when you're praying in the Holy Ghost to stay focused. Train yourself to focus on the, and watch and pray and be led by the Spirit and know when to change. Know when to change gears. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can get a lot done in the Spirit, you know, just as you're praying and, and if you'll change. Hallelujah. And go with the flow. And when you hear things, you ought to pray them out. You ought to pray them out in English. When you see something, maybe you'll just see something. Or maybe you'll hear, hear something, or, or just a word or something. It, that's for you to speak out. The Holy Ghost is giving you a key. He's giving you something. So I think we disregard it a lot of times. We need to stretch to go longer. I've even prayed with ministers before. And I could tell they had not stretched themselves to pray in the Holy Ghost for a long period of time. I want to encourage you to make it a goal that it's not even hard for you to pray one hour in tongues. Now you don't get there overnight. But you stretch. And the way you do it is you might start out and say, Today I'm going to pray five minutes in tongues. And then tomorrow I'm going to pray ten minutes in tongues. And then you begin to stretch yourself. And it ought to be easy for everybody here tonight to pray one hour in tongues. Hallelujah. 
Well, and then we ought to not stay there. We ought to be able to, we ought to, be able to play, pray three or four hours in a day in tongues. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians says, pray without ceasing. The Holy Spirit, you know, talked to me about that this afternoon. He talked to me about piggyback praying. When you piggyback pray, you're praying while you're doing other things. Now, I, I want to encourage you that if that's the only kind of prayer life you have while you're driving down the road, while you're washing dishes, that you, don't have a, you do not have a good, solid foundation for your prayer life. You need some time. See, you can't watch and pray while you're piggyback praying. But you can go ahead and pray some things out while you're piggyback praying. But you need a time when you're quiet before the Lord. You need a time when you are uh, you sitting down with God and you're just you're watching and praying. You're listening to the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. And I will tell you this. Don't be concerned if you don't get a lot of stuff. Some days I get a lot of stuff. And some days I just pray in tongues nearly. And I'm like, I didn't get that much. Now you ought to get some stuff sometime. No, if you're never getting anything, you don't have the right switch turned on or something. Amen. You know what I'm saying? If you never, you never have, nothing ever comes to you in English, no thought ever comes, or a person, maybe somebody you hadn't thought about in a while, comes to your mind. And I, you know, when I think of somebody that I hadn't thought about in a while, I know the Holy Spirit's saying, well, uh, pray for them. And I don't have to understand or know why. Amen. Amen. Uh, so, uh, piggyback praying is praying without ceasing, praying all day, praying while you're driving. I, I tell you what I like to do is spend some time with the Lord praying and watching in the Spirit, and then I found that it's even a lot of times hard to stop praying. That while I'm driving, it just flows naturally. While I'm even shopping, I'm praying. I'm, I'm praying because I've already got a flow going. Hallelujah. Praise God. While I'm doing dishes, while I'm putting the laundry on, I'm still praying. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, when you're praying in the Spirit, you're sitting in a chair praying, uh, you know, make some adjustments. If things aren't, if you're not getting a flow, make some adjustments. Get up and walk through the house if you're not getting a, a flow. Sing in the Spirit. Make an adjustment and begin to, begin to find where the Holy Spirit, where the anointing is flowing. If you're praying for your kids and you're not getting a flow, switch off and pray for somebody else. Pray another direction. Ask the Holy Spirit which way to pray. Where to pray. I mean, where to put your prayers today. We shouldn't be repetitious. That's what the Word of God says. If you're just going every day and beating, and I, well, I'm going to pray for my husband. Now I pray for the president. Now I pray for my kids. Now I pray for my pastor. Now I pray for, and you know, you're, you're, you're going to be in a rut. No wonder it's not fun. Because it's fun to flow with the Holy Ghost. I tell you, it's fun to flow with the Holy Ghost. Amen? And uh, uh, so uh, do some piggyback praying. Another, and I already covered this, but he, he, he said to me, uh, uh, talked to me about jumping ship. Find the flow. When it stops flowing, jump ship. When it stops flowing, it's time to go to the next subject. Hallelujah. You can come back to what you're praying about another day. And don't stop praying about something until you got it, until the answer has come. Hallelujah. 
And you know, when you're praying in the Spirit, just because nothing's coming, don't think anything's not happening. I know all fall. God stirred me up to pray in the Holy Ghost. Uh, I was, we were all, I've always been praying. But it was just like, it, throughout the fall, beginning in November and all through December and January, there was such an anointing for me. It was so easy to pray in the tongues one hour every day. And so every day I was praying in tongues for an hour. Every day. And you know, I was having a good time, but I didn't know. But you know, it come in February, God just supernaturally turned some things around financially for Pastor and I that were not pleasant, and He just turned them around. And you know, the Lord showed me. He said, see, all those months, when I led you, you were praying that out. You were praying that out. He, I was praying it out. I didn't know I was. I didn't even know what I was praying about. But when we got to it, it was slick as glass. It was easy. Hallelujah. I love to pray things out in advance. Don't you? I like to pray it out in advance. Oh, glory to God. Uh, learn to hold a charge. Learn how to charge your own spirit. You can charge your spirit by praying in the Holy Ghost and learn to hold on to that charge and keep that charge. Hallelujah. You're not going to, if you don't ever pray in tongues, you're not going to be very charged up in the spirit. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I want to read some things from E.M. Bounds' this book. I said we're going to cover several areas of prayer. Then I think we'll pray a little tonight. Thank you, Jesus. And what I want to pray about tonight is not our Pastor Buzzy meetings. The Holy Spirit told me that we need to pray. I want you to begin tonight to pray out the problems in your life. I, I, don't, I mean, I'm not saying anybody has any big problem, but every one of you has situations. You know, the things that aren't right inside of you, you're going to be corrected by prayer. The things that aren't right in your spouse... They're going to be corrected by prayer. The things that aren't right in your children, you're going to be, they're going to be corrected by prayer. And the Holy Spirit has been showing me. You, you know in Hebrews it talks about how, uh, Abraham, how Levi was in Abraham's loin. When Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, Levi was in his loins. That's what it says. And so the Bible says that... In a sense, Levi actually paid tithes because he was in the loins of Abraham. And what the Lord showed me about that, I've meditated on this so much because it's so significant that we were in our grandparents' loins. In other words, before you were born and before your parents were born, whatever your grandparents were doing has had an impact on your life. That's why God can say, I'll bless the righteous to a thousand generations. Because literally a thousand generations ago, you were in the loins. You were in somebody's loins. So the righteous, there's this ongoing blessing passed down in righteous families and this ongoing curse that passes down. But thank God, God, God put a stop to that in a sense of he limited it to three and four generations. Isn't that what he said? That the curse is limited to three or four generations. But think back to how you were living before your kids were conceived and before they were born, when you were carrying your kids. 
if that's not a good time in your life, you'll be praying out some things in their lives after they're born. If there was turmoil in your marriage when you were conceiving and caring your children, then you've got prayer work to do. Now, we all need to be praying for our kids. But I'm saying there's problems to be prayed out that they will be carrying around inside of them that they won't even know why. You know, you've seen kids before that were born into bad situations, maybe drug situations and all sorts of things like that. And they never even lived with their parents. I mean, they were taken to foster care and maybe put in a good foster home with good, loving, godly people. And yet, you look at that, that foster parent might look at that kid and say, why does this kid act this way? What is wrong with this child? He was in the loins of his mama and his daddy. Think back. Think back about where maybe you know where your parents were. See, my parents weren't in a, I wouldn't say they were in a bad place when I was conceived, but they weren't in a spiritual place, let's put it that way. Amen? And, uh, but you know, thank God for praying grandmothers. See, because I had a Pentecostal grandmother. And she was praying. And I had another grandmother who was Baptist, and she was praying, but she didn't know much about prayer. But later, when I was about high school age, she became Pentecostal, got spirit-filled herself, and all of a sudden, she's a-praying. She's really over there praying. Well, it's changed everything about my life. It's changed everything. You know, I never not one time rebelled against my parents. Not one time. It never crossed my mind to rebel. It never crossed my mind. Well, is it because I'm so great? No. It was that praying grandmother. It was those two praying grandmothers. That's what it was. I'm so convinced of it. Amen. Praise God. So, man, grandmothers and grandfathers, pray. Pray. Oh, you've got work to do in prayer. You've got much work to do in prayer. Hallelujah. But you take a mom and dad who are living right. Maybe they're not, maybe they don't know a lot because maybe they weren't baptized in the Holy Ghost. Maybe they didn't have a lot of knowledge of the Word. But they were honoring God as best they knew how. And they get married and they have kids. You watch those kids. Those kids will have a, there'll be a blessing on their life that you'll be able to see. Those kids won't. Those kids, and I'm not saying they'll never do anything wrong, but I'm saying for the most part, you watch those kids will walk right. Those kids will walk right. It's like they nearly can't help themselves. They'll walk right. But we don't get under condemnation if that's not where we were. But we got to know. We got to straighten. Listen, you got to straighten out in prayer what you messed up. Hallelujah. What you messed up, you better straighten it out in prayer. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, I told you all that, and this, this may be changing the subject. I don't even remember what I'm reading now. 
you, oh, I was, I, boy, this is a change of subject. Remember last week, or, or I think it was Wednesday night, we got over on prosperity and how being prepared, prospering was part of being prepared. So I'm going to change the subject because I want to read this. I told you it's going to hit a lot of areas about prayer tonight. I knew I was kind of going in a bunch of directions. I knew it in my heart. You know, I had this, but it says, um, and this is E.M. Bounds. He says, you are on the earth to carry on my cause. I am in heaven, the Lord of all, the maker of all, the holy one of all. Now, whatever you need for my cause, ask me and I will do it. Shape the future by your prayers and concerning all that you need for present supplies, command me. I made heaven and earth and all things in them. Ask for great things. Open thou thy mouth wide and I will fill it. Don't ask for a little bit. Open your mouth wide. It is my work that you are doing. It concerns my cause. See, sometimes we hadn't even made the correlation there in prayer. And we hadn't made the correlation that, listen, you serving God, your clothes concern the cause. Your car, your house concerns the cause. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. It, it concerns, you know, you say, well, you know, did you know if your house ministers to you, it helps you be more effective in ministry? If you go and you have peace there and you have beautiful things to look at and you have places to relax and you have places to pray and even if it's clean so that you can relax and pray and if there's room for all your stuff. Some of you need a big house just because you can't throw away anything and you don't need it. If it's chaotic, you're going to be chaotic on the inside. If there's chaos, if there's chaos at your house, you'll, you won't have a peace and a rest. And so these things concern you. You need to pray about them. They concern his cause. They concern, they concern the cause. You know, Jerry Savelle talked about one time how he puts beautiful things in his house because... It ministers to him when he's there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Praying people are the only people who have influence with God. Praying people are the only people in whom the Holy Spirit dwells. Now, he's not talking about you didn't get the Holy Spirit when you got saved. Everybody got the Holy Spirit when they got saved. But he's talking about that overflowing... That, that fly's got a demon or something. <laughs> Praying people are the only spirit in, the whole, in whom the Holy Spirit dwells. In other words, there's not going to be anything really to the... There's not, God's not going to be coming in in an overwhelming manner. He's just there because he has to be if you're not praying. Um, <clears throat> for the Holy Spirit and prayer go hand in hand. The Holy Spirit never descends upon prayerless people. 
He never fills them. He never empowers them. The exception might be, you know, some little baby, some little baby Christian. And here's another thing I wanted to read, and then we're going to pray tonight. The seed of God's Word must be saturated in prayer to make it germinate. You know, we get prophecies from the Lord. Even our pastor speaks things to us. I've spoke things to people. And we've had guest speakers come in. They speak things to people. That's just the seed. The Bible says the Word is incorruptible seed. That's just the seed. But prayer causes it to germinate. Prayer causes it to germinate. If you want what's been promised to you, either in the Word or by the Spirit of God, then pray. Amen? Because it will germinate. It will germinate in prayer. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, I think we have some things to pray out tonight. I think in our own lives, there's some things that we need to be praying, some prayer projects. Uh, some, we need to be uh, getting honest with God in some areas. You know, concerning desire, we ought to be honest with God. We ought to quit trying to deceive Him and quit trying to deceive ourselves into thinking our lousy attitude is okay and that He's going to bless us anyway. We're deceiving ourselves. We're not being honest. But what would be better to do is to be honest and say, God, i got a lousy attitude. I know I do. And you know, I'm, I don't know how to change myself. Well, I know I've said to the Lord in recent days about situations, saying, Lord, you know, I don't want to do this a certain area. I don't want to do it. But I wish I wanted to. Have you ever wished you wanted to, but you, to be honest, you really didn't want to? And you know you can't really ever make yourself do any something you don't want to do. You'll talk yourself out of it every time. It, so I just have told the Lord before, I have just said, Lord, I, I don't want to do this, but I wish I wanted to. And you know I'm powerless, Lord, to change myself, but I ask you to come work inside me. You know you're powerless to change yourself. I am too. If I could have changed myself, I already would. I'd already done it. But... We can be honest with God, can't we? He knows anyway. If we're mad at Him, we ought to tell Him. Not that it's right to be mad at Him. It's not right, but we ought to say, Lord, I'm mad at you and it's not right. So help me get over this. And so many times we just try to hide it or try to pretend it's not there. Amen. How many of you, after this morning's sermon, say, I want to get honest? Well, I, I, I want to get honest because when we get honest, He can help us. Hallelujah. So many things He'd help us with if we asked. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, so instead, in religion, we've been taught change yourself and even you could check out you could go to books a million or go to the library and there are five z in self-help books of how to change yourself and you know i found out i can't i can't change i can read those self-help books and i can say you know that sounds real good but i just go back to being just like i am you know if you're a if you're not if you're not what you ought to be in any area some area that's putting you under just be honest and say lord help me change me Change me. 
If you don't have the want to to pray, tell him, you know, I don't want to pray. I wish I wanted to. I wish I had a prayer life like I hear other people talk about, but I don't want to. So, Lord, but I wish you, I, I, I do give you permission to change me, you know. And Philippians says that he is all the while at work in you, creating in you both the will, the willingness, and the desire to do his good pleasure. Let's give him permission tonight. Lord, create in me the willingness. I, I, I've got some areas, all of us have some areas we're not willing in. Amen. I mean, if the Lord spoke to me and he said, don't you go on a 40-day fast, I'd tell you right now, I'd say, I'm not willing. Not willing. Just not willing, Lord. Don't even want to talk about it. Not negotiable, not going to talk about it. How many of you are going to be honest with me? Now, some of you say, well, or if somebody, if God said, I want you to, next 40 days, I want you to pray one hour in tongues. How many of you would be honest with God and say, not willing? Got to be honest with you, Lord. Wish I was that mature. Wish I had grown to that point, but not willing. It's not negotiable. But how many of you would just open your heart to God and say, help me, Jesus. <laughs> help me. <laughs> Create in me the will and the desire. You know, hallelujah. See, it's only when we're willing that we get the good of the land. We can be doing all the right things. You know, if you're at church tonight, but you're not willing to be here, it's doing you no good. It's making me feel a lot better that you're here. though. So I guess it is doing some good in that way. Because it is making me feel better. But as far as profiting you, it's only the things we're willing to do. It's only obeying God willingly. If we're giving offerings and we're not willing, they're not doing anything. If we're only doing it because we think pastor expects it. We got everything we've got to do. It's got to be, we go into children's church, but we're not willing. Up on the stage singing, but not willing. Ushering and not willing. It's only what we're willing to do. Amen. That's going to count. You know, I was reading about this pastor, and he said he, he planned and organized and put on a huge conference. Huge conference. And he said the last night of the conference, when it was all over, he's walking down the steps of his church to get in his car. The conference is over. And in the natural, you'd have said it was a huge success. He said the Lord spoke to me and said it's already burned up. <laughs> That'd be encouraging, wouldn't it? It's already burned up. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I don't want any burned up works, do y'all? <laughs> hallelujah. Well, let's stand up. Thank you, Jesus. I don't think we have time to pray.